it, this game really should have just been renamed Survivor Simulator. <laughs> West Virginia Simulator. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Welcome to Tech Tales. I'm Corbin Davenport. And I'm Cody Toombs. And today we're talking about Fallout 76, which was slash is an online multiplayer game made by Bethesda that had probably like the worst launch of any game in recent history, I would say. It's not like the worst game ever made, I don't think, but it definitely, at least with the launch and its development, kind of everything that went wrong did go wrong. And it's it's very fun to talk about. I can't wait till you do do another Tech Tales episode and use the exact same intro, but instead of naming Fallout seventy six, you name Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. There's been a lot of these recently, but Fallout seventy six, I think, is definitely one of the funniest. So, Cody, what do you know about the Fallout games? Oh wow. Um, I mean, besides the few, okay. So Fallout 76 itself, besides a few of the little rumors and comments and things that happened as it was being launched and kind of getting to just, you know, deadpan laugh at it, I I don't know a whole lot. As far as the series goes, uh, or at least the previous games, I suppose, I think I briefly played one of the original Fallout games, either the first or second I didn't play very much as proven by the fact I'm not actually sure that I played any of them. But yeah, other than that, like I know the names I've heard good things about a few of them, like fallout, Las Vegas, fallout, new Vegas, sorry, new Vegas. Yes. But yeah, I don't really have much in the way of experience with any of them. Well, fallout 76 came out in 2018, but there was, work on some kind of online fallout game going back to the early 2000s so i kind of need to talk a little bit about the earlier games this isn't a complete history of fallout i don't think very many people want to sit through me doing that but i'm going to hit the important points so the first fallout game was called fallout a post-nuclear role-playing game and it was published on october 10th 1997 by interplay entertainment the setting for this game and, and the setting for all the games that come after it is that there is a nuclear war on October 23rd, 2077 that wipes out most of civilization. And really the only people left after that are a few pockets of people, mostly irradiated monsters that, that show up, and also people who were living underground in these huge vaults that uh, the United States government constructed before the war. In the original Fallout game, you play as the Vault Dweller, which is one of many people living in one of the vaults constructed before the war, and you have to leave the vault because the person in charge wants you to go find a new water chip, and then you get into a bunch of shenanigans as you venture outside and talk to people and, and shoot monsters and, and whatnot. And the game got pretty good reviews when it came out. Um, the art style is definitely unique, so... Kind of one of the different factors about Fallout that doesn't make it just a post-apocalyptic game is that in this Fallout universe, the general culture of the United States didn't really evolve past the 50s. So everything's in like this like space age art deco style and there's like 40s and 50s music playing in the games. That So that gives it kind of a cool feel. So yeah, Fallout 1 was pretty popular. Interplay followed it up in 1998 with Fallout 2, and after that point, they released a couple spinoffs for PC and console that were, like, okay to bad, basically. After the turn of the millennium, Interplay started facing more financial difficulties, and in July of 2004, it sold a license to the Fallout franchise to Bethesda Game Studios for slightly over $1 million. So Bethesda, who at this point was best known for making the Elder Scrolls RPG games, could now make a Fallout game. Best investment Bethesda ever made. Oh yeah, that's a steal. Around that time, Interplay filed a Form 8K to the United States Security and Exchange Commission, also known as the SEC, 
which described a potential Fallout massively multiplayer online game they wanted to make. So the document said that Interplay was aiming to start working on an online Fallout game in January of 2007 with a release date of July 2010. And I'm going to read from that SEC filing here. They said, quote, the Fallout MMOG will be developed in the highly recognized Fallout post-nuclear apocalyptic world, giving consumers an ongoing virtual experience of today's life as if the Cold War, which lasted for the best part of the second half of last century, had led to a nuclear disaster. The budget for the Fallout game totals $75 million and will be funded by Interplay, its development and distribution partners. Quote. Hmm. Now, it's important to say at this point, Interplay was like not doing great. So if they would have had to raise a lot of money to make this happen. Yeah, Interplay is one of those companies that I, when I think about it, my recollection of Interplay is it, it was a name that was everywhere when I was young. Yes. And yeah, I, their heyday honestly, was definitely in the 90s. It, yeah, I, I honestly, like as I'm looking over a list of games the company made, it's it's amazing how many are recognizable as uh, early days of Windows territory. But yeah, not a whole lot of their list really persists past that. Honestly, I kind of thought the company may have been bought in the early 2000s. So in April of 2007, Bethesda Softworks purchased the rights to the Fallout franchise from Interplay for $5.75 million. So Bethesda now owned all the rights to Fallout. However, they also agreed to license the franchise back to Interplay specifically for its online game. Basically, Bethesda and Interplay switch places here, where Bethesda now owned Fallout as a brand and, and franchise, and Interplay was now licensing it for its online game. The terms of that deal were kind of, a lot of it was kind of standard for a licensee deal. It said that Interplay had to secure at least $30 million in financing for its game within 24 months or the rights would default back to Bethesda. And it also said that they had to release the game within four years of when this was signed in April 2007, or they would lose the license. Um, and there was a bunch of other terms like it needed to ha the online game needed to have a certain number of players. It needed to make a certain amount of money. Interplay agreed to pay Bethesda 12% cut of the game sales and subscription fees. So the, this deal for the, the online game is, is very specific in what mm -hmm. needs to happen for them to keep the license, which a, a lot of it is like, that's, that's pretty boilerplate for a license yeah. deal. Like if you're, if you're not going to use it, you lose it. <laughs> that's how all these work. Yeah, pretty much. So they signed this deal, and in late 2007, Interplay reopened its in-house development studio to start development of this online Fallout game. So again, they didn't they didn't have their own like internal game studio anymore. That's where Interplay was at. <laughs> so yeah, not great. So around two years later, in February of 2009. The president of another game studio called Masthead Studios contacted Interplay, offering their services to help develop the game. Interplay agreed, and Masthead Studios started work on Fallout Online, which at that point was also being called Project V13. I'm going to keep calling it Fallout Online because that name's stupid. Agreed. So I'm going to send you some concept art and very early screenshots that Masthead released for their Fallout Online game. And this link and everything else we look at and, and watch and all the sources for everything are in the show notes. If if anyone listening wants to also have a look, it's it's mostly like painted concept art, but there are also, I believe, two screenshots from their very early engine. And I don't think they settled on where this game would be located. That's a big thing with Fallout games where like, each one kind of takes place in a different region of the United States. So you, you have like elements of that real life area that bleed into the game. Um, I don't think they said where this one would have been. They, there's some concept art for Seattle, but I don't know if that's where they were planning to have it or not. Yeah, you can, you can obviously rotate quite a bit. That being said, I'm also seeing a desert scape. Yeah, here. yeah, like they have concept art for Seattle, and then 
other things that are very clearly not Seattle. <laughs> yeah, this is some Arizona, New Mexico kind of stuff going on. Yeah, a lot of I am getting some New Orleans out of a couple of these concept arts. Oh, geez, this winterscape one looks like it could be like a future New York City, like at a Central Park kind of thing. So that's happening around 2008, 2009. In 2008 is when Bethesda releases its first Fallout game, which is Fallout 3. And it's it's a huge success. Like this Fallout 3 is consistently in those like best games of all time list. Like it's it has the open world elements that they did really well in their Elder Scrolls games, but it's in the Fallout style. And this game ends up shipping 5 million copies in its first week, which is pretty impressive for the time. So Bethesda definitely has a hit on their hands with that while this very slow work on Fallout Online is happening. So in September of 2009, Bethesda ends up filing a lawsuit against Interplay, uh, attempting to stop the development of Fallout Online. And... This lawsuit is very long and most of it's pretty boring, so I'm just going to we're just going to do the spark notes here. Basically, it boils down to Bethesda alleging that Interplay wasn't meeting the financial requirements from that original license agreement and that Interplay didn't have the staff required to make this game. So basically their argument was like you agreed to have this amount of money, you agreed to have x number of staff working on this, but we don't think that's actually happening yeah i didn't write this down but i think that actual announcement about the start of masthead studios working on fallout online that was kind of like the actual start of development in in quotes and i think that was like a matter of days before that original deadline of you have to start development within 24 months Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah, Interplay was pretty much just going to fail anyway, so... Bethesda also had a lot of other beef with Interplay in this lawsuit. They weren't a fan of Interplay selling a bundle of games they called the Fallout Trilogy, which included Interplay's Fallout 1, Fallout 2, and Fallout Tactics Brotherhood of Steel. It did Oof. not have Fallout 3 in it, which you might think it would be in there if it's called Fallout Trilogy. Yep. So Bethesda was like, hey, uh, we don't like that you're doing that. And of course, like Interplay has the rights still at this point to distribute their games, but they're not distributing Bethesda's games. And Interplay also had some complaints they brought to the table. Their main one was that they were working on a tabletop adaption of Fallout called Fallout Pen and Paper D20. And after Bethesda took over the license, they told Interplay they couldn't make that anymore. So Interplay was a little bit upset about that. Um, that game did eventually get released just with a different name and, and all of the Fallout elements removed. So again, that lawsuit's really long. There's more details about it that I, I don't really care about. But it finally is settled out of court in January of 2012. So this takes a while. They always do. So the, the main results of the lawsuit was that Bethesda paid Interplay $2 million, and in return, Interplay surrendered the rights to the Fallout franchise and could not continue working on Fallout Online. So their online game is dead now. They have nothing left. <laughs> um, also, I, I did also see in the settlement, they said that they didn't have the source code for Fallout anymore, like any of their Fallout games. But if they found it, they would give it to Bethesda. <laughs> <laughs> okay i mean like it wouldn't shock me if they legitimately did not have the source code anymore but i thought that was funny like we'll give you we'll give you guys a shout if um you know ted back there goes through his attic and finds the the cds you know it it is amazing how many companies have lost the source code to these major projects that were actually hugely successful it it happens way more often than anyone would think so now that Interplay's Fallout Online was officially dead, Bethesda was now free to develop their own online Fallout game if they wanted to. Development on Fallout 76, which was going to be their online game, started shortly before the release of Fallout 4 in 2015. 
kind of an interesting decision happens here early in development where Bethesda decides to add multiplayer support to its existing engine for the Fallout games instead of using another engine that already supports multiplayer. And by doing this, they had to rewrite a ton of the engine's code because this was all built for single player. So all the quests, all the world loading, and a bunch of other basic functions were tied to one player. Work on this game was later handed off to Battlecry Studios, which was later renamed to Bethesda Game Studios Austin. So I need to do a little bit of a side tangent here about Bethesda's game engines, because this is a really popular talking point with... <laughs> Fallout 76 and, and just all of Bethesda's games in general is that the engine is terrible. <laughs> this engine that people keep talking about with Fallout 76 uh, was originally NetImmerse, uh, which was later renamed to GameBro. Bethesda's first game with this engine was The Elder Scrolls III Morrowind, which was released in 2002. NetImmerse slash GameBro was made by another company. Bethesda was just licensing it. Just like Unreal Engine today in Unity right? Like there's a company that just makes the engine and then other game studios license it to make games with it. So Bethesda uses this engine and they also add their own components to it to make it better. And they keep adding stuff to it. And after Fallout 3, they fork GameBrew and they create their own engine that they call the creation engine. And it's still very much based on NetImmerse and GameBrew and everything. But they've done a lot to it. Like they've, they've rewritten all the rendering. There's a custom component for physics. They're using other third party stuff for rendering stuff like trees and foliage um, and skies and everything else. So even though like this is kind of the same engine in quotes that they've been using since 2002, like every time they make a game, they rewrite huge chunks of it. It, this yeah this is one of those things where sometimes sometimes old software really has uh it, it can be a messy story because sometimes you have a piece of software where they at one point had uh maybe some really grungy code some stuff wasn't very well optimized maybe it was built for hardware that just isn't a factor anymore and you just gut it, replace it, and what you replace it with can be really good. No guarantees it's going to be really good. It honestly could be much worse. But the practical reality is you can replace sometimes very old things with something new and better and better optimized. And then there are other times where uh, a piece of code that you've written necessitates that you keep doing things to to keep it working or to make it better and those things are inherently worse for the total package of code the the truth of the matter is a lot of times game engines do have these kind of long-reaching decisions but if if at a certain point you can sit down and just commit to saying hey we need to we need to fix this thing because it's costing us so much you you can do it and, you know, by all accounts, they have done it. Not to say that they haven't made other mistakes along the way, but they have fixed a lot of their old mistakes, too. Yeah. Like, a lot of the bugs that happen in these games, like, they aren't inherent to this core code. It's just like, oh, we didn't play test it enough. Again, not, not to defend Bethesda here. I'm really trying not to defend Beth <laughs> Bethesda. <laughs> no, it, it's possible for a company to do do something bad or poorly and it's it's just a side effect of hey they did they happen to accidentally do something bad or poorly more than once it right. doesn't mean that they they kept perpetuating the same original mistake they they just made that same mistake multiple times or or as what happens so often the problem is not the core technical code or you know, decisions they made about the engine, it's management, right? Oh, yes. Like this game has to come out at X date. If, if you're not done fully testing it by then, well, you know, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll fix it later. Right. This is kind of the unraveling of so many tech products that maybe are good, but just, you know, 
you know, the, the, the classic trip of management ruins everything. Yeah, that's painfully often true. So, so yeah, all that is to say that the decision to keep using this engine for Fallout 76 is like one of the more contested uh, parts of the game. We're going to skip ahead now to E3 of 2018, which is when Bethesda officially reveals Fallout 76. We're going to watch part of this announcement from Bethesda at E3. Not the whole thing, because it's really long, but we'll, we'll watch a part of it. Vault 76, one of the very first vaults to open, was built to celebrate America's tercentenary, which is an awesome word, by the way. Like, that's your word of the night. Tercentenary. You are one of the very special few selected to be an occupant and spend 25 years underground waiting for Reclamation Day, the day the vault opens. We always start with the world, and this time it features all new rendering, lighting, and landscape technology. It allows us to have 16 times the detail and even view distant weather systems across the map. Now, most people don't know West Virginia that well. It is an incredible array of natural wonders, towns, and government secrets. This is where the actual nuclear secrets are. And the quest the overseer sends you on will take you through six distinct regions, each with their own style, risks, and rewards. There's plenty of cool new fallout creatures, and we even use the folklore of West Virginia to bring our fallout versions to life. We have always wanted to tell that story of what it will be like for you and the other characters who were first to leave the vaults. But there is one big difference with this game. It's that each of those characters is a real person. Because yes, Fallout 76 is entirely online. Okay. I know, there's a lot. Uh, you have like a thousand questions right now. So I'm going to go through them in order. Now, I'll hit a couple of the big ones. First, of course, you can play this solo. All right? You'll, you'll be who you want, exploring a huge world, doing quests, experiencing a story and leveling up. We love those things about our games too. It would not have it any other way. But also, like many of you, we have always wanted to see what our style of game could be with multiplayer. So many of us talk about experiences in our games, but we've never experienced them together. So about four years ago, we hit upon an idea that is perfect for Fallout. Open world, survival, every person and character is real. And it was an idea that we just couldn't shake. We knew we had to do it and do it in a really big way. Now, I know you may have played survival modes in like some of our previous games or some other online games, and we, you know, people wonder, is this hardcore survival? I like to think of it maybe, it's more softcore survival. <laughs> maybe that should be a new ESRB descriptor. Um, <laughs> death never means the loss of progression. 
or the loss of your character. Your character isn't tied to one server. As a matter of fact, you'll never even see a server when you play. You'll be in a world with dozens, not hundreds and not thousands of other players. It's the apocalypse. It's not an amusement park, okay? <laughs> and you'll be able to join your friends whenever you want, and all of your progression goes with you. When we think about games, we think about worlds and the choices that you can make, the stories that you create and tell yourself. By creating a wide open world with very few rules, we have a game more than any game that we've ever done where the choices are yours, where you'll decide what happens. You'll decide the heroes and you'll decide the villains. So that was, that was Bethesda introducing Fallout 76 for the first time. It follows the same basic formula as most of the other games where you're living in a vault and you're, you leave the vault to go explore post-apocalyptic United States. Um, in this case, the vault opens, I believe, 20 years after the bombs fall. So it, it takes place before all the other games. Yeah, yeah. It... I, I do know, and like he said, what what was it like to be the first to come out of the vaults? Because, yeah, some of the... I that That's one part of the lore I did know was Fallout 76 was basically your... Um, it's like a like, pre prequel, sort of. Yeah, it uh, in a weird way, like, I almost want to compare it to sort of Fear the Walking Dead versus The Walking Dead. Like, it was... He, here's what happened before things went wrong but except this is the here's here's the first people who got to experience things going wrong and, and everything in its presentation i want to play this game it's it, it he's hitting on all the things that i like mmos one of the things that has always been a huge turnoff to me was looking around and all you see is names hovering over some crappy looking avatar in just massive amounts it it's almost like just the sheer number of people in any given area it's sort of like being at a concert it's just right. packed and it's awful and sort of that like do you want to play alone or do you want to play with friends both of these are things that can happen but you know there can also be a few other people that you'll encounter which it, that's that's a good experience. That's the experience I think a lot of people actually like in these games. And it is pretty difficult to hit that balance of an online game that is also fun if you don't have friends playing it. Mm -hmm. Which I know I there's a lot of games that I've I've played and they lean very heavy into the online. And I can tell like this would be fun if I was playing it with other people I know and I just wasn't, you know, like you said, surrounded by hundreds of random people running all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. I, th I think that is a good meta takeaway from this game announcement is that Bethesda is kind of trying to do everything, right? <laughs> They're trying to have this huge open world game that's very detailed. They're trying to have a story element. They're trying to make it fun for both single player and multiplayer and they're building all this on on top of this engine that is a benefit in a lot of ways like they can have the same sorts of worlds and, and xp and everything that they've had before but also has all these other technical challenges to it so that was sort of the reveal event what they did show before this was the trailer which we're now going to watch
600 years after our great nation began, we gather together to honor the completion of Vault 76. This sprawling underground shelter may have been engineered by Vault Tech, but it was built by you. So that if the bombs do come, our way of life will endure. Almost heaven, West Virginia, Blue Ridge Mountains, Shenandoah River. Life is all there, older than the trees, younger than the mountains, blowing like the breeze. Country roads, take me home to the place I belong, West Virginia, Mountain Mama, take me home, country roads, take me home. For when the fighting has stopped and the fallout has settled, you must rebuild. Not just walls, not just buildings, but hearts and minds, and ultimately, America itself. In Vault 76, our future begins. Nice, nice. I had to look it up because I knew I recognized the voice. That was Ron Perlman. Perfect voice actor for that. But yeah, that's... It. They did everything right in terms of promoting this. Man. It, it, it really just looks and sounds like the perfect game. They weren't lying when they said they, they made all those improvements to the engine for lighting. And, and they have... You know, there's like weather systems in the game where you can see it coming from a few miles away, like in real life when there's rain coming. Like there's there's some cool stuff going on here. It looks like a really nice looking world. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the trailer. Again, that was shown off at E3 2018, which was, I think, in like June, June or July. The game was finally released on November 14th of 2018. And reviews were not good. So I'm going to send you a snippet of IGN's review, and you can read that for us. Bethesda's ambitious idea to replace all human NPCs with other players results in a lack of meaningful interaction with the world. Other than 20-something other players spread so thinly over a massive map that chance encounters are rare outside of quest locations, just about the only voices you'll hear are recordings of long-dead quest givers, robots, and AI constructs who simply deliver information at you. Where past Fallout games have more than made up for some of their frustrations with brow-furrowing questions like whether to destroy the town of Megaton or what should become of the New Vegas Strip, there's no opportunity for the morally tricky decision-making in Fallout 76 because no one talking to you can hear you. This is like the main problem with this game is that Bethesda tries to do this thing where every other human in the game is another player. So there's no, you know, unlike basically every other RPG in existence, there's no non-playable character for you to talk to and interact with to progress the story. The story is progressed through, like, recordings, kind of like the Borderlands games in some parts. Mm -hmm. It's progressed through notes you find. It's just... It's it's very boring. Like, it's not fun. Yeah, what gets me here is it that's actually true to what would happen. If you're the first people to leave this vault, presumably, you would only be running into people from that vault. Or, in theory, maybe a couple of other vaults that might open around the same time, though. I guess that's not really a thing. But... I can I get why they would do this. It it makes sense from the story, it makes sense from the the premise of the game. But yeah, the problem is that yeah, that gives you so little to interact with. It gives you a lot of exploration to do, but nothing 
to to interact with though now that i think about it i also think back to uh horizon zero dawn aside from the few instances where you go into towns that game is basically you just going around completely on your own and it was perfect for it this not so much yeah so that was ign's review i'm gonna read part of the review from rock paper shotgun now uh which I, I thought their review was pretty funny. So they said, quote, The saddest thing about Fallout 76 is there's no shortage of talent on display, but it's all been wrapped around design choices so ugly as to make it meaningless. If only it had stuck with its opening premise, a game where you and a load of other randos are chucked into a chaotic wilderness and told to build a nation. Players need to group up to take on larger bosses in public events, but for the most part... The fact that play revolves around reading and listening to the words of dead NPCs means it's quite awkward to accomplish while chatting to someone. The best fun I had in Fallout 76 was when I got chatting with a German man named Marcel after we met during a confounding public duel against farming robots. Neither he nor I had any real idea what we were meant to be doing in the game at large, so we just hung out and built a shed using the game's buggy but splendid construction system while talking about the weather near Berlin. After a while, we felt guilty for not doing the work assigned to us by the game, and so we wandered off to begin grimly seeking audio logs once again. Oh, wow. It's weird how how bleak that sounds as, as a gameplay element. It's mostly the people playing the game that are making it fun. Like, I, I saw a couple news articles from when this game came out where they were like, people pretending to be npcs that would just hang around where like the main spawn area was and like help you out okay that's awesome <laughs> yeah yeah it's yeah it's fun so the last review i want to go over was from windows central and this one is a little bit more positive so i'll send this one to you to read yay i get the happy one <laughs> despite all the negativity surrounding fallout 76 I've still found a lot of reasons to enjoy the game, and to be excited about its future. Exploring a Fallout-style world with a friend or three is as fun as it is in any game of, of this type, albeit with a genre-defyingly dense open world. Typical survival games that preceded Fallout 76 tend to be barren sandboxes, leaning heavily on player interaction as the basis of play. Bethesda seems to be attempting to bridge the gap between the single-player RPGs the studio is known for with some of the dynamism that only comes via multiplayer. That's the other comparison point you can make with this game, where it's kind of a survival game. So if, if, so if that's the comparison point, then Fallout 76 is a lot more fun, but people are comparing it to Bethesda's other games. I, I was also thinking about this earlier, and it just has to be said because it won't leave my brain. It, this game really should have just been renamed Survivor Simulator. West Virginia Simulator. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yes, that would work, too. So those are some of the reviews. There's a lot more. Most of them are negative. It quickly followed to a user score of 2.4 out of 10 on Metacritic. A lot of the complaints from players... Some of it was mirrored from those reviews where people are just like, this is a boring game. But also there's some there's some other aspects of the game that are really unpopular. The main one was that Fallout 76 on PC was only available through Bethesda's game launcher. It was not available through Steam, where all of Bethesda's other games were. So people didn't like that they had to go download a different thing that maybe didn't work as well as Steam. Also, Bethesda's game launcher didn't have the same return policies and support options as Steam. So it's kind of more difficult to get a refund for the game than it is if it was on Steam. It, it may not have been intentional. I mean, realistically, this probably wasn't Bethesda being like, ooh, we're going to we're gonna play a trick on people. Because, yeah. I mean, that doesn't really work in the real world. People can just like do chargebacks on their cards and stuff like that. But... Yeah, this is this yeah, is like I, I didn't those... I don't think they made their launcher with the express purpose of making everything difficult, but it just that's just what happens. <laughs> yeah, it, because now it just it adds to your sort of negative user experience and players now just hate you for another reason. 
you really don't want that on a game that's going to have problems at launch so besides the game just kind of not being that fun there's also an extraordinary amount of bugs with this game at launch it is horrific how much is wrong with this game bethesda's games are kind of always known for being buggy right like this is just a thing that happens with bethesda games but fallout 76 because they rewrote so much of it and because it's online and, and because of all these other factors it's just it's just a total mess each thing just multiplies the bugginess yeah you know there's all the usual bethesda game bugs of like player models being broken of like textures maybe not working sometimes you getting stuck in objects or you know you dying for no reason whatever but there's also a lot of other bugs that uh, are much worse one of the main problems initially that was actually fixed before the game left beta this had a beta period that it, it probably should have stayed in beta longer but during the beta someone realized that the physics and game speed code in Fallout 76 was tied to the frame rate, just like all of Bethesda's yeah. earlier games. So when you unlocked the frame cap uh, by modifying the game files, it caused the player to run faster. <laughs> mm -hmm. So you could go faster than other people if you uncapped your frame rate. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. And that was, a, that was a thing in Fallout 4. But again, Fallout 4 is a single player game, so that wasn't... It, that big of a problem <laughs> there was a glitch that allowed players to duplicate items until a patch was released in december of that year i mean that's just standard for any online game yeah <laughs> that one's probably not as surprising but it's not great another bug that got quite a bit of press attention because it was just funny was that one player after they reached level 40 in the game they became unable to die <laughs> <laughs> like nothing would kill them they were just permanently invincible which meant that they couldn't do some of their quests and challenges that involve like getting irradiated or, or you know dying in, in some fashion another one of the more serious problems with fallout 76 was that a few people figure out how to enter fallout 76's developer room so let me explain what this is in basically all of Bethesda's recent games, there is a developer room that you can get to usually by entering like console commands, like hacking the game. And basically it's this area that you cannot get to in the real game that contains every item, every piece of armor. And it's mostly made for, you know, the people making the game to test everything in one place. It's basically the loadout room from the matrix. Yes. The, all the gun racks. Yeah, like there's there's videos of this on YouTube. Someone screen recorded themselves going into it. And yeah, it's just like lined up every piece of armor, a bunch of like boxes with all the construction plans for stuff you can build, including stuff that hadn't been added to the main game yet. Also in that room was an NPC named Wooby. And it was just this guy that uh, was probably used for like weapons testing <laughs> in the developer room. And at launch, this would have been the only NPC in the game. <laughs> Was in the developer room and he's named Wooby. Oh, perfect. So items were taken from the dev room. And then according to some reports, they show up on like eBay. And there's a subreddit called Market76 where people were trading this stuff. Bethesda's initial solution to this is to start flagging accounts that enter the dev room and then banning them but then people get around this by entering the dev room and then handing off their items to a secondary account uh, before their first account gets banned for entering the room like like the second account right. is like a drug mule in this situation <laughs> oh geez i'm just shaking my head right now like it, it's a reflex i can't help yeah. it Bethesda banned a bunch of players from Fallout 76 for using mods and cheat programs uh, around December of 2018. Some of those players claimed they weren't actually hacking. What was funny, though, is that Bethesda sent emails to some of the players, and I'm going to read part of the email they sent out. They said, quote, If you would like to appeal this account closure we would be willing to accept an essay on why the use of third-party cheat software is detrimental to an online games community for our management team to review, quote. 
Oh, what that? Oh, okay. Please tell Bethesda why you've been a naughty boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what What are they gonna do next? Like walk from from player keyboard to player keyboard and like wrap you on the wrist with a ruler <laughs> yeah. because you like what come on no todd howard will come to your house and personally slap you in the face so again like almost everything related to the game is going wrong <laughs> bethesda is not handling it well uh the game's a buggy mess even if the game wasn't a buggy mess it's just not that much fun for most people like the, there are people having fun with this game but overwhelmingly the reaction is like this is not that fun one final chain of events i want to talk about with fallout 76's launch is the nylon bag controversy oh god did this come onto your radar at all this thing about the fallout like nylon bags it sounds vaguely familiar i have a feeling as soon as you tell me i'm gonna remember it wasn't it like a pre-order gift yes so bethesda sold a special power armor edition of fallout 76 for 200 dollars this power armor edition in the box was supposed to include a canvas duffel bag, a power armor helmet you could wear that was like helmet sized. Um, I don't know if it, if it was a good helmet or not, but it was helmet sized. It had a steel case for the game. It had some figurines. Um, it came with like digital items you could redeem once you set up your account. Um, kind of, you know, usual special game edition package stuff. Right. I'll send you a image of the advertisement for it that kind of shows everything in the box it, it's not quite the right shape for it but it looks like your typical go bag kind of thing yeah. and yeah it's like a small duffel bag it says west tech on it which is one of the companies in in the fallout universe so then when the power armor edition finally showed up people discovered that the duffel bag from the picture was actually a low quality nylon bag like it didn't really look like anything from the box yeah so people complained originally bethesda offered 500 atoms to people who bought the power armor edition as an apology for the bag not being a good bag uh which was five dollars of the in-game currency <laughs> eventually bethesda did do the right thing and they would allow people who bought the Power Armor Edition to get a real canvas bag that looked like the one that was on the box, but they had to open a support ticket first. However, in December 2018, one Fallout 76 player reported that their Bethesda account mistakenly had access to other people's support tickets, which, in because they were taking this information for the Power Armor Edition refunds and, like, returns and stuff, this information included email addresses the last four digits of their payment methods and their home addresses spectacular again just like the actual game everything is going wrong that can go wrong oh geez basically the entire launch for fallout 76 was just a series of really terrible uh mistakes on bethesda's part and whole lot of bugs and yeah Bethesda did start rolling out updates for the game to fix a lot of the complaints, to fix a lot of the bugs. The first major update was called the Wild Appalachia update in March of 2019, and that added some new quests, some new events, and updated the crafting systems. There's another major update in April of 2020 called the Wastelanders update, and this added a new main questline and added actual NPCs to the game. So... That addressed the main core complaint, which is there's no one to talk to in my Fallout game. <laughs> yeah. There's another major update in November called Steel Dawn that brought the Brotherhood of Steel faction. And there's there's been other updates since. They have more, you know, we're recording this at the very start of 2022. They have a bunch of updates planned for this year as well. It definitely got much better after launch. Like, I remember, I think I played the beta when it was new, and it was kind of boring to me, and also it didn't really run on my computer at the time, so I didn't play a whole lot of it. Um, but I did go back to Fallout 76 in 2020. Like, that was one of my main, like, pandemic games. Like, everyone mm -hmm. had their game that they spent way too much time in <laughs> uh, when, you know, during that during that time. 
and that was one of mine and i i've enjoyed it like it's still got a lot of problems but it, it's 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 pretty fun at this point at least to me i've heard people say that it definitely improved a lot since release and to be fair it's kind of hard not to but yeah. um, <laughs> only way to go is up <laughs> sometimes yeah not too many games get substantially worse over time let's say that the fact that it's it made its redemption sort of is definitely a plus i mean there's a reason why there's kind of this wide understanding that you should just generally wait for a game of the year edition to come out because by the time that does all the bugs are fixed you now get all the content that should have been there at launch and it's at a price people actually want to pay right basically yeah game of the year edition is pretty much the actual experience everyone wishes they could have at the start of a game yeah that's that's the launch of fallout 76 cody you got anything you want to plug as we as we wrap up if anyone wants i would recommend following me on twitter at cody tombs that's cody underscore tombs t-o-o mbs and also just keep listening to tech tales because uh let's be honest i i keep doing them the fine listeners at home don't know this but you have signed a contract with me where you have agreed to come on as many times as i would like uh for the next 700 years 